0: Hey everyone, welcome to Industry Insiders. I'm your host, Greg Jones. Today we're joined by Christy Lee of All Girls Garage and Garage Squad on the Motor Trend Network. And without further ado, here's our interview with Christy. So Christy, you know, I I know a decent amount of your background. Since the last time we talked, a ton has changed. You've been doing a ton of things. Um, So I just, I'd love to talk a little bit about that. You know, how All Girls Garage has uh, evolved and, you know, now you're on the Garage Squad show. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that's gone? And, you know, obviously this year um, has probably changed a lot of things, but, you know, if you're able to talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just hard to believe, like, I am where I am right now because it just kind of feels like I'm just doing my thing and trying to get through every day and have some fun while I'm doing it and, you know, stay involved in the automotive industry, motorsports industry. It's just... It's always crazy to kind of like look back and reflect on how far I've come because sometimes maybe I forget that. But I'm grateful for opportunities to talk to people like you so that I have a chance to reflect back on where I have came from and, and what I've been through the past uh, couple years in a positive way, of course. All Girls Garage and I was hosting All Girls Garage, Barrett Jackson and Garage Squad last season. Barrett-Jackson is no longer on Motor Trend this season, and All Girls Garage, I did decide to take a step back from that this season, Um, so last year was my last season as a co-host of that show, and really, honestly, that was mostly for just personal reasons of (laughs) last year was insane with traveling and scheduling and TV production, and I was on the road constantly living out of a suitcase and in hotels and on and off airplanes. And I'm I'm exhausted. So it was in no way, shape, or form because I don't want to be part of the show or I don't like the girls or the production company. They're all family to me. It was really just um, a self preservation move. (laughs) Um, I can't, I can't, I can't do this again. So 2020 prior to all the things that have happened now, which nobody saw coming, but moving into 2020, my goal was to kind of take a little more time for me and not travel as much, um, and maybe kind of, I don't want to say downsize because that sounds like such a negative way to look at it, but really kind of reevaluate what was on the table, uh, and I am still hosting Garage Squad this season, um, and that was kind of the plan. Unfortunately, to my dismay, this whole pandemic thing has completely thrown, well, the entire planet for a loop, and that squashed all of my dreams of <laughs> not traveling every week, because I'm literally feeling exactly like I felt last year. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm I'm on the road every single week. Uh, I've been on the road since June 1st, and I'm on the road every single week from June until mid-October and weekends. So it's literally just, it's like a repeat of last year, but that's okay. Grateful to be part of the show, uh, missing all those garage, but really excited about a new season of Garage Squad this year. And I have some other projects in the works as well that I've been on for the last couple of years, kind of on the side.
0: Yeah, that's great. So, Christy, what's your what's your travel like? You know, during all the, the COVID stuff, are you primarily still taking airplanes, or are you driving a little bit more? Or?
1: Um, I have to be honest; it's almost impossible to do what I do with the travel without utilizing air travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just in Pennsylvania last week. So I, I hate to say it's like business as usual, but I, I can't do what I do without air travel. So right. I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm just getting through it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's not ideal. I don't really think anybody wants to fly right now. Um, I was never a big fan of flying before all this. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's be honest. It's not as glamorous as one may, may think, but yeah, I mean, it's such second nature to me to, to fly and, and utilize air travel anyways, so I guess I'm kind of just trying to put my head down and just muscle through. it. I do a lot of driving as well. Um, I'm commuting back and forth to Metro Chicago um, from mostly Detroit, but also all over uh, for Garage Squad, like basically on a weekly basis. So I do kind of mix things up with driving and flying. Like this week, for example, I actually rode my motorcycle out here. I've done that several times. Um, where I rode my bike from Michigan to Chicago, I'll have it here for the week and then um, the end of this week when we wrap shooting on Friday, I'll ride it back home.
0: Yeah, that's great. So Christy, you know looking back at all, all girls Garage, you know are there a couple you know favorite episodes that stand out to you or just favorite memories from doing that show you know now that uh, you're moving on to a couple other things?
1: Oh man, we had so many so many great builds. We did well over 100 episodes, um, you know, nine seasons, um, eight seasons for me, with um, 16 and sometimes more episodes per season. God, we worked on so many different things. There were so many projects that we did that were for great charities um, that supported things like breast cancer, the Wounded Warrior Project, veteran memorials. Um, Those are always beyond rewarding. We even had some projects where we have some, you know, guest hosts or co-hosts come in and work on the project with us. Of course, we like to highlight females as much as we possibly can. So we had um, women builders that we would spotlight, or other female car owners that we would bring in. We even had um, two young girls that their dad had a project car, and they were just super jazzed up about it. And so we had them come in, and they helped us work. I believe it was a Mustang, and a, a new gen Mustang. And you know, they came in and they helped us put a few accessories on, and I mean, they were beside themselves, because what a cool experience for two young girls. Um, Those projects were always incredibly rewarding. A few that stuck out in my mind in particular, and it's probably just because, you know, they were personal projects for me, so it was it was really cool to have that happen. It was like full circle, mixing, you know, work and personal, or business and pleasure. One of the projects we worked on was actually my dad's car, which was a E36 BMW 3 Series, and... You know, we brought that in, and we, we did some transition work on it, and it was cool to have my dad's car in the shop. We also worked on another family car of mine, which is currently in my garage, which is a 1967 Pontiac Grand Prix convertible. Only your for the convertible, convertible, not my car, but again, a family car, grandpa's car, and we were able to, you know, get I got that shift. From Michigan to um, our shoot site in Florida, our studio in Florida, yeah. and we will send the car on the show, which was also very cool. Um, and for me, more more than appreciative because some of the work that we were able to get done on that car, utilizing a lift in our shop, which I don't have at home, was amazing. <laughs> so we did drum brakes on it, which trying to do the drum brakes one at a time in my front driveway, it's just like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a inconceivable
0: thought with an eighteen
1: foot Grand Prix. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So those were two projects that definitely stuck out, but there's just so many so many great stories and so many great memories.
0: Right, right. That's awesome. So Christy, you meant uh, you mentioned uh, you know, how great it is that you guys got to bring some women builders onto the show and, and obviously, you know, with the three women on the on the show, including yourself, the program was shining a spotlight on Women doing automotive work—you know what? What did all that mean to you? That um, you know, Motor Trend and, and Velocity—you know—you know—shined the spotlight on, on women doing doing that stuff.
1: I mean, first of all, I am beyond honored to have been part of a movement where spotlighting women in a show that was specific to women was a thing. And I mean, I think now as the years have progressed having women within the industry is continuing to grow. You're seeing more and more of it. But for us to be part of All Girls Garage Circa nine years ago, I mean, I couldn't have been more honored to be on a platform like that. As far as working with the women, I mean, obviously I had a chance to work with several women on the show as the show progressed over the years. Mm-hmm. Work with Jesse Combs, Bogie, Faye, Rachel Rivarro So, you know, we've had a chance. To work together and to promote women within the industry in the same way but also in very different ways. you know some of the girls were shop owners and fabricators and or some of the hosts I should say were shop owners and fabricators and you know they were able to represent that side of the industry. you know someone like myself it was I was more of an automotive enthusiast and a TV personality in, in the automotive industry so I was able to represent that side of it for women. Um, So I think with all of that combined, we had so much to offer in such a positive way for other women, whatever their path might be. I've always been a huge advocate. Obviously, I'm obsessed with cars and everything, automotive, motorsports. My entire life is about it, (laughs) even outside of shooting TV. Um, But I've always been a positive advocate of women can do anything. You know, maybe turning wrenches or riding motorcycles or racing cars isn't for every woman, but that doesn't mean that they can't appreciate other women doing it and use that as a tool to do whatever they want and not allow any boundaries to prevent them from being who they want to be in any way. So I think us breaking through those boundaries of women in automotive specifically can hopefully show other women that there are no boundaries if they don't let them be there
0: right right. that's
1: always kind of been that's always been kind of my mantra yeah but yeah I mean it's it's more than rewarding to be around so many women and I think one of the most amazing things for me has been such a such a positive influence from others not just in the industry but the fans as well saying that hey you're a positive role model for my daughter or my granddaughter that's not something that I ever really imagined that I could be or that people would be telling me that I am but it's you know they're pretty big shoes to fill, but I'm I'm so honored and so proud that that I can use my life and the things that I do professionally to create positivity for other women.
0: No, absolutely, that that's all well said um, for sure. So, Christy, again, looking back at you know your work on All Girls Garage, you mentioned you brought more of the enthusiast side. Obviously, over nine years, um, you probably picked up a bunch of extra knowledge, uh, learned how to do a bunch of things that you didn't know how to do. You know, what were some of those things that you kind of picked up and um, you didn't think you'd ever be able to do?
1: I mean, I think the show in general was a learning experience for not just myself, but for all of us, because some of the cars and projects that we, were, we worked on uh, aren't things that we would ever have a chance to get our hands on or even think about getting our hands in normally, right? in your garage or in your shop setting. I mean, my my background in wrenching was mostly in motorcycles, so being able to transition to cars, obviously it's a relatively smooth transition at first because I think using tools and knowing how to use tools is a big part of it, and being comfortable in the garage setting, of course, but learning a lot of the things that are different between cars and bikes, that was like a huge learning curve for me with, with All Girls Garage, and also really cool at the same time because... Like I said, some of the projects we worked on are not things that we ever would have worked on before. I mean, some we're working on brand-new cars that just came out, like, you you know what I mean, off the showroom floor for a couple months. We worked on some prototype projects. We did a prototype Camaro with Gorla exhaust, and that was just a Camaro that they had picked to use as a prototype to create an exhaust system and and manufacture it. And we got to work on that car. We got to install that system. No one else got a chance to do that
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. it was
1: the only one, you know. And and other things too on the other side of the spectrum, not just new cars but collector cars, you know, having a chance to work on a, a real GT500. You know, how many people can say that they've turned wrenches on one of those cars? I mean, I don't have a, a fleet of cars uh, like that with that high collectability sitting in my garage just waiting for me to come in and work on them. And I don't think most people do. So. We had a lot of opportunities that were open to us because of the show and because of some of the product integrations that we did with the aftermarket industry that we never would have had outside of that. So to answer your question more specifically, yeah, it was a huge learning experience for all of us and definitely a massive learning experience for me, which, I mean, it's awesome because now I can say, you know, hey, I've worked on this and I learned. I love learning. And that is probably one of my favorite things about the automotive industry and like the mechanics Mechanical side of automotive, where you get to learn about the parts and pieces. You dissect them. You take things apart. You put things back together. You use the tools to assemble and disassemble. That's what I love about it. So learning new things, learning new tricks, new trades. I just got to. I just learned how to use a plasma cutter like last week. Nice. Um, Which is yeah, which is cool. I mean, power tools are the best. Look down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when especially when they have sparks. But, um, you know, right now, on set, like actually on set at GarageBot, I am actively learning to weld. So each episode, I kind of make a little progression to get better at that. And, you know, the guys are obviously a huge help with that. But that's really cool because I wouldn't have the opportunity to do that without that platform.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, Christy, I don't want to spend all the time focusing on what you did with All Girls Garage since... Uh, you've kind of moved beyond that. So I definitely want to talk about Garage Squad and, you know, what you guys have going on there. I watched that show. I I think it's an awesome show, a great concept, Um, and and what you guys do each episode for, you know, someone and in certain situations where they couldn't complete projects and uh, you guys help them out. I think it's really awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit about what's going on with Garage Squad, you know, this year and, and kind of how that's been going for you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Um, You've seen the show, like, it's, to me, it's as real as car TV gets. What we're doing on the show is, and what you see on TV, what the final episode looks like, I mean, that's exactly what we're doing, is we are showing up at someone's garage. I mean, yes, we're ordering parts ahead of time, like, let's be honest here. Mm -hmm. But we show up to someone's garage, we assess the vehicle, and we start working on it. We start tearing down, and then we start putting new on. And these cars aren't meant to be show cars. They're not meant to be SEMA showroom for Worthy. They're meant to be better and significantly better at that than they were when we first got there. So it's getting the best on the road and making them look as best as they possibly can within the time that we have. Right. We have basically six days to work on these cars. And it's just the six of us. There's no, like, midnight crew that sneaks in and, and finishes the project for us while we're not there. Like, that's it. It's us six. And we're in there. Know, grinding away literally at getting these projects done. And sometimes, you know, we have some projects that are a little bit less intensive. Um, we just finished a, a Firebird build recently, and it, it, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was an easy project by any means, but it wasn't too intensive, whereas now the project we're working on, which is a Jeep Kaiser Is basically a full blown restoration. Like when we arrived, it was not even a rolling chassis; it was just it was just a frame. So I mean, we're doing everything from fab work to customizations, wiring, body panels, um, (laughs) all of the engine work, interior paint, even metal work. I mean, it's intense. It's an intense project, and it's 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 almost finished now. But this show is so rewarding because we're taking something that was essentially just forgotten or in shambles and making it amazing again for, for people who, you know, generally have either fallen on hard times, whether it be financially or physically and, and kind of turning those projects around in a much, much more positive way. And then they get to showcase that to their friends and family. And the word rewarding doesn't even begin to describe this because some of the stories are more challenging than others. Sure. But even, even the return on it for us as, as host, as part of, as members of the show, it's just so amazing because sometimes, and a lot of times with these projects, I mean, this is changing people's lives. To take this car that they have, and it's worth something, and most of the time, it's worth something more sentimentally than financially. And to completely change that and make it something amazing again, it's it really is the best. We I cry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like,
0: I hear the little tiny violins in my head, and I just, like, <laughs> I Right. Can't right. Cool. I don't blame you uh, for getting emotional. Um, like I said, watching the show, it's uh, some people have some crazy stories of, you know, things that happened to them or reasons that that project is sentimental or couldn't get finished. So, yeah, it, it definitely touches on the heartstrings.
1: Another thing that's amazing is that we get to work with the owners, like the owner of the vehicle. So this isn't like a typical reveal show where we meet the owner of the vehicle the first day and then it'd be like, okay, bye. We'll see you in a week. You know, you can't wait to see it. just, you know, nail biting the entire time, right? It's no, they're in it. They're in there with us. Yes. We reveal it to their friends and family. So it's a surprise for them, but we get to work side by side with the owners and it's like, we kind they kind of become like part of the squad. So after like seven days, we always make jokes because after a week of this, you know, this has to be a completely overwhelming experience for the owner, right? Like we just come in, we completely invade their space. There's cameras everywhere. We're working and grinding and and putting in a ton of hours. (laughs) After seven days, we're like, you guys are ready for us to go. Don't lie. But you know, (laughs) the day after we leave that they're like secretly staring out their front window into the garage, wishing that we were still there. (laughs) Because I, I just got to think it's such a cool experience for the owners to have us come in, like literally take over their lives for a week, and then leave them with this amazing car. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, you know, they spend time with us. They're in there working, and we put them to work. So there's no there's no shame in that game.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what kind of lead time does uh, does a car owner get before you guys show up? And then you mentioned, you know, having six days to finish the project. You know, how many hours a day are you guys typically putting in?
1: time goes generally speaking and i obviously have a little less involvement with the logistics of production um and the the scheduling of production but generally speaking i mean i think that the locations and cars are scouted obviously well before we get there so we're not picking things out like a few days before we get there in seasons past i believe they scout everything out beforehand so we've done 10 episodes basically for the last two seasons um, I wasn't part of the show prior to last season, but I do believe that they were doing 10 episodes in seasons prior as well. But they pretty much scout out the whole season beforehand. A lot of it is also like location. Do we have places where we can park a lot of vehicles, where we can park a production truck, where we can park an RV, uh, the van with all the tools? So a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into this right. um, besides just the story and the vehicle. Right. Those things are scouted well in advance. Sourcing of parts. I mean, obviously you can't just like run up to your local auto supplier and grab parts for, you know, a 69 Camaro. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you need, you need some lead time on that. You know, they're not selling door panels for a, a cutlass at AutoZone. So it's, it's a little bit in advance with getting parts and materials. But of course, you know, as anybody knows in automotive, there's a lot of like, oh crap moments where, <laughs> or should I say, oh, shit moment, where, <laughs> right. oh, no, this broke, right. or, oh, this doesn't work. I mean, we all know that anything OEM replica replacement parts for old classic cars, like, they never, it's never perfect, right?
2: Right,
1: right. <laughs> So there's always, we're, we're always, like, kind of thrown for a loop on that stuff, but scouting with the things beforehand is a big part of it. This season in particular has been, a little bit crazy with all that's going on because we did not have a timeline as to when we would actually start production. So we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit more this year, I think, than ever. But those kind of things, the production scheduling and the scheduling of the vehicles and all that, that's well in advance. And obviously, the homeowners aren't, we don't just roll up on their grass. It's not publishers clearing house. Like, surprise, garage squads here. Right. They know. They have, they have a lot of lead time to get prepared for that. Okay. Um, yeah, locations are scouted. Garages are scouted beforehand. Another big factor is the actual space that we're working in. Sometimes we've had a cool story um, a few shoots ago, actually, where we had two cars. Um, it was the son who submitted the project, and he had a vehicle of his own. So we ended up doing two two builds in one episode, okay. and we didn't have a space for that second build, so we rented a tent and put this huge tent up outside and actually worked on the car under the tent. Um, so we're accommodating to that. Yeah. As far as like build time on the show, we basically have seven days per episode. Um, I would say one day is fully devoted to just like basic production things like beauty shops with cars, the general like lead in, lead outs with the host, the storyline, um, closing the show, the reveal. That's kind of one day. So we really only have six days of meat to work and get that done. And it's, it's no more and it's no less. That's pretty much it. Some projects are more intensive than others and, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of good, doing a little hustle the last day to get it done, and things are great. And then some projects are, you know, running some late hours. This project in particular that we're on now has, you know, been very long days. Like, I think we pulled like eight to eight to six yesterday. Yeah. Um, and then a few of the camera, a few of the camera crews stayed later than that to get more shots. So, it's uh it's a lot of work.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Christy. You mentioned, you know, getting parts it's something that you guys kind of do ahead of time and it, it can also be difficult. Now, I, I noticed, I think you guys maybe work with Rock Auto a decent amount. Um, who are some of those folks you guys rely on for, for getting that?
1: Uh, Rock Auto is actually a show sponsor. So every episode we have not only an abundance of parts, but usually like a specific integration for Rock Auto. Um, so we are sourcing a lot, a lot, a lot of parts from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the a- aesthetic parts, aren't forcible through something like Rock Auto. Most of the mechanical aspects we can get through them. They've even supplied us with an entire crate engine before for a project, which is super cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we're kind of all over the board with what we need and, and it's so specific to the project. You know, the, the last car that we worked on, we didn't even touch the engine because the owner had already done an engine refresh a few years ago, and there was just no need for us to crack it open and do anything. It was one less thing that we didn't have to do when we had so many other things that needed to be addressed. Right. So it just depends. It can, yeah. It's really contingent on the build. A lot of the other suppliers we use are, are familiar names that you would expect in the aftermarket industry. Mostly, like I said, for aesthetic pieces, interior, door panels, dash, consoles, seats, upholstery, headliners, those types of things. We're sourcing those through a lot of the familiar brands and names that you'd see on Motor Trend Network and within the aftermarket industry. And sometimes, you know, the guys are sourcing stuff straight up from, like, Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) Like, I need a transfer case for this vehicle. Where can I find it? There it is. It's it's 30 miles from here. I'm going to get it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah,
0: you got to use all your resources, don't you? Whatever it takes. Absolutely. All right. So, Christy, you mentioned you have a a couple other things going on as well besides Garage Squad. Are you able to talk a little bit about, you know, some of those other plans that you have either going on currently or just things that you're looking forward to?
1: Totally. I mean, I could talk a little bit about it. Um, Interestingly enough, I, I I have kind of a crazy background. Like, I've had a lot of jobs and I've done a lot of things in my life. I mean, I get to me. I don't think it's crazy, but... Probably to a lot of other people, they're like, wow, you've done a lot of things. But one of the things that I used to do was uh, that actually brought me from Florida to Michigan was investing in real estate. So I moved to Michigan in 2005 to invest in real estate and essentially flip houses. Now, this was way before flipping houses was like a super trendy thing.
2: Right.
1: This was, it was a little less glamorous, let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was buying up really inexpensive properties in Detroit and renovating them. And flipping them for a profit. So yeah, that's what I did. And and now it's interesting that, um, obviously my career took me in many different directions. And, you know, now coming full circle working in television, I mean, I think it's a natural transition to kind of like dig up my real estate roots and do some, you know, um, I'll say home and garden type programming yeah. <laughs> to leave it pure, but not really. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, work, I'm working on some uh, I'm working on some new part projects, kind of in that arena, and like I said, just tapping into my into my real estate roots. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, obviously, again, as as we all know, the, the current state of of the current climate of the globe. Um, has of course slowed everything up, uh, but you know I maintain positivity, and I'm, I'm hoping that you know within the next few months I'll have some like really exciting news that I can share with everybody. But yeah, I, I've got some side projects. Um, we're currently filming some some things right now. So uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Like that. Like I said, that's about all I can say. Yeah. but Stay tuned. Hopefully, some uh, very exciting news in a very different side of Chris Lee Absolutely. Uh, that I can talk about. Like I said, I love tools, so doing uh,
0: home run with tools is just as cool as working on cars with tools. <laughs> well, Christy, I'll, I'll ask two more quick questions. I was just curious if you've got, you know, over the projects you've done or just, you know, cars you've worked on, do you have a favorite engine and do you have a favorite car? You know, something that you might want to own if, uh, you know, if money weren't any, any obstacle or anything like that, you know, do you have like a dream car or dream engine?
1: question because i do get asked this a lot by especially fans everyone wants to know like what's your favorite car what's your favorite car um i'm i'm like i'm so not a favorite person like i don't have a favorite food i don't have a favorite color i don't have a favorite movie i like a lot of things and i feel like especially with cars there are so many different cars and they all kind of have a different vibe and because of that like i just never pick just one it would just it would it would kill me to pick just one so i'll give you like my short list of some of the favorites that i really like and they're kind of like all over the board um i'm a big fan of uh, gen one Mustangs. so like if if money was not an option like you know a 69 boss would be amazing or a, a cobra jet 429 the extra special coverage at 429 not just the 428 um yeah <laughs> and then i really like i really like c10 trucks I and mean, i like square bodies but i'm more like the uh the gen 2 c 10s so like 69 to 72 that's like my favorite time frame uh, um i really like um uh import cars as well so uh, porsche's really big on porsche that's what i grew up with that's what my dad worked on porsche's Uh, BMW, E36 is probably my favorite year for my favorite model for BMW, like that genre, Uh um, which was like late, late 90s. And then also, of course, like Mopar is a huge thing. Um, I love old Mopar. So like, you know, uh, 69, 70, 71 Chargers or Challengers. Um, but I really like new Mopar too. Um, there's something to be said about hopping in a car and it just fires up with the push of the button. And it's got all these like modern amenities and this amazing automatic transmission that drives way better than you ever could think about driving.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: so I'm a, I'm a huge fan, I've driven a lot of them, huge fan of like new health, new Hellcats, health obviously, red eye, challengers, the Chargers too, like really big on that Mopar scene. So yeah, I mean, and then of course, you know, Anything that's fast. I got a chance to drive the GT500 at the track a few weeks ago. Um, a Ferrari 488. Um, nice. You know anything. Like, yeah. I just I love I just love cars. You yeah. Know? I love them all. I I
0: can't pick. <laughs> yeah, I I think most of us are in that same boat. You know, they're all so different. They're all so unique. Yeah, it's tough. I I don't blame you for not having uh, one you can you can necessarily pick out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I mean you know, diesel trucks, too. I've got two diesel trucks in my driveway. You know, it's like I can't decide. I love them
0: so much. Well, excellent. Well, Christy, again, I greatly appreciate your time uh, chatting with me today. You know, unless there's anything else you wanted to add, uh, I think that's the majority of questions I had for you. So, again, really appreciate you hopping on the phone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me.